Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. We have a list on our website, warrockandajax.com, called Every Story Ever. What we're doing is we're taking lists from our listeners of three comic book stories, and then we are placing those stories on the list from best to worst comic book stories of all time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the War Rocket Ajax Every Story Ever special for March 2023. My name is Matt Wilson, 
Chris Sims is also here. And what do we do on this program? We rank comic book stories on a big list from best to worst. We've been doing it for a long time. The list is now quite long. Chris, do you want to give a rundown of what the Every Story Ever list currently consists of? Do I want to give the rundown starring Johnny Knoxville and Jackie Chan? Yes. <laughs> Is that what that movie was called? Oh, no, I think the rundown was Dwayne Johnson and Sean William Scott. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. What was the Johnny Knoxville, Jackie Chan movie where they sang Rolling in the Deep? Okay, you would never just know the name of it. It's called Skip Trace. Skip Trace, that's right, because uh, me and uh, Chad and uh, Rusty, the comic that we eventually put out as the hard ones, that was originally called Skip Tracers. Here's to you. Here's to you. Uh, none of that has anything to do with uh, this list that we've got here on the Every Story Ever Uh the, the Every Story Ever Expanded Data List. We are currently looking at 1,436 titles, uh, 1,436 stories here on this list, uh, best to worst. And we, uh, I'm at the bottom because I scrolled down to, to see what the number was. At the bottom is Identity Crisis, uh, followed by Holy Terror and uh, Doomsday Clock, uh, which that is a comic that we ranked two months into lockdown. Uh-huh. Uh, and that is where Mary Marvel sees Dr. Manhattan's dick. Uh, at number one, Spider-Man, if this be my destiny slash the final chapter by Stanley and Steve Ditko, he lifts up the heavy thing. He does. It's great. And you should read it. I recently went on a podcast called, Comics for the Apocalypse, in which the host, Sam London, asks guests what comics they would take with them into Apocalypse if they could only take one comic. And my choice for the book I would ultimately take was All-Star Superman. But you know I had to talk about Spider-Man picking up the heavy thing. In, in the episode as well. <clears throat> I also talked about the thing getting knocked down, but being too ugly and stupid to know any better. Yeah. See, that's the thing is we got it where, where uh, Spider-Man does the thing, but also the thing does the thing. And that other right. one, the thing does the thing in Marvel two and one annual number seven, which is not in our top 10, but is really punching above its weight. I think on the list and everyone listening to this should read it. It is a great, great, great Marvel comic. Let's see if we can find any other unsung stories. Shall we, Chris? Let's do it. All right. Time to rank some comics. And we actually left off last time in our February special in the middle of a list from Patrick O'Duffy. So let's continue with that list. We ranked the first story on Patrick's list, which was Manhunter Volume 3, numbers 0 through 12, by Stephen Grant and Vince Girano. Second on Patrick's list is Fate, 
Issues 0 to 22 by John Francis Moore, Lynn Kaminsky, and Anthony Williams. That is the book about the man called Fate. Matt, you um, you insult me by thinking you needed to say that. <laughs> like, I don't know about Jared Stevens, the man called Fate. All right, Chris. Uh-huh. I, when I say things on the show, a lot of times they're for the listening audience. <laughs> it it was no intended insult to you. I I was merely letting our listeners know about the man called Fate, the zero hour version of Doctor Fate. Now, Matt, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you two questions. Okay. One, are we are we counting? Oh, I have three questions. Are we counting Fate 0 through 22 as one story? I think it fits the consistent creative team, consistent quality rule that we have established. Uh-huh. And I think... I mean, Patrick sent this list in with the note. These are kind of long for stories, but like anyone else is going to submit arcs from these series. And I think he's right. <laughs> I mean, look, 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 we, we, we ranked all of new 52 secret six. Uh huh. As one thing. We ranked all of Starman as one thing. Another zero hour tie in. Yeah. But like new 52 secret six had very distinct arcs. I mean, Starman has very distinct arcs, but it ultimately is one story that is very consistent. I think we can say that about the man called fate as well. Uh, here's my second question. Are we also including then the book of fate numbers one through 12, the follow-up series by Keith Giffen? Or is that, are we gonna have to wait until someone else submits the book of fate? I think from... the book. Of, I think the book of fate is separate. Okay, because it is a different creative team. Uh huh. And while it is the same character, I I I don't think we could call it the same story as the book that is simply called Fate mm-hmm. that ran from 1994 to 1996. And then the Book of Fate, of course, ran from 1997 to 1998. In fact, it ran. Yes, you're right. 1997 and 1998. You're you're right about that. Yeah, back w- back when DC Comics were good. <laughs> the 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 best era of DC Comics. Uh, the late 90s, not just because that's when we happened to be in our teenage years. Never. That would never be the case. They are, in fact, the best. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, like, they, here's the thing. They are, though. <laughs> like, they are, though. DC Comics were good as hell. Like, 1998 is, like, the best year for DC Comics. They're so good. Objectively. 
Oh, uh, is, is that what you would say about fate? Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Um, here's the, here's my third question, Matt. The, the third question that I had for you. Have you read fate numbers one through 20? No, I never read this book. <laughs> so you're expecting me to do this. I, I, I mean, you could also say I haven't read it and then we could skip over it, but well, here's the thing. I haven't read the entirety of of Fate, starring Jared Stevens, the man called Fate, uh, and I will, I will, I will tell you, no one has. <laughs> there is no human being alive who has read these twenty three issues, uh, up up to and including uh, Len Kaminsky, who is a writer who got a lot of work. And I, I would never take that away from him, and I would never want to insult Lynn Kaminsky. Now, I, now the writer of this entire series is John Francis Moore. Well, uh, Lynn Kaminsky. Oh, actually, no, this is the last issue. Yeah, John Francis Moore. Oh, the creative team changes. Okay, John Francis Moore is only on the first like five issues. Right. Also a writer who certainly got a lot of work. And then it becomes Stephen Grant and Lynn Kaminsky. You're right. Lynn Kaminsky actually does most of this series, along with Stephen Grant. Uh, I would say Kaminsky does most of the series alone, because Grant doesn't stay on that long. Yeah, Grant's gone by issue 11. Yeah, and then the the back half of it is, is Big Lynn... Of, uh, of I want to say JLA Wildcats fame. Okay, this changes everything. With the, this is not a consistent creative team, and with that in mind, I feel like we we can't call this one cons- one story, one big story. Because because yeah. I think a big a big part of one big story is at a minimum same writer like yeah. all of secrets new 52 secret six had one writer gail simone do you the starman of course one writer james robinson only two pencilers tony harris and then peter snibjerg yeah uh do you think we could count gi joe a real american hero number one through 300 <laughs> it's a no. single story. i know we've ranked individual issues no, I, I think we are right to separate uh, that into distinct arcs. Hey, do you remember how Jared Stevens, the man called Fate, melted down the helmet of Fate and made it a fucking machete? No, I d- didn't read any of the comic. Did you not not know that's what the deal is? I knew he didn't have the helmet. I knew he had an onk painted on his face. I most of what I know about the man oh, called Fate, buddy, that shit's burned on there, baby. Okay. That's a scar. Most of what I know about the man called Fate, I know from Wizard Magazine. So, I, I'm looking, and I, obviously now this dagger slash machete is from the Helmet of Fate. But mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have known it until you said it. Yeah, bud. Yeah. That shit, he melted it down and made it a machete. And honestly... <laughs> We, like, made fun of that as early as, like, 2002. 
Uh-huh. That fucking rules, actually. Well, we can say that now. Nothing is less cool than whatever happened approximately eight years ago. That's true. That's true. It's like it's like when like ten years ago when Fraction was on the show and he said there is no song that is that sounds older right now than Gangnam Style. Right. And and now it's like, oh hey, hey actually Gangnam Style was good. Because it was good, actually, and I've always thought that and I was always correct. Yeah, it was good. But when you're eight years removed from it, it's like, oh, that that th- this thing that was very popular and cool then is now unpopular and uncool because it is a certain amount of time away. It's too old to be new and current, and it's too new to be classic and vintage. Nostalgic. And so it's in that weird middle ground where it's like, oh, I guess we don't like that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um we should have known we should have known Jeff Johns was uh was up to something when uh when he killed actually I don't know if Jeff Johns did that. That might have been uh James Robinson and David Goyer who killed off Jared Stevens the man called fate. Well we can we can find out for sure where Jared yeah. Stevens the man called fate died. Uh he died in JSA number one. By James Robinson and David Escoyer. So, so not so that wasn't Jeff Johns. I take it back. I take it back. We had no warning about Jeff Johns. Yeah, it was it was Robinson and Goyer who killed. Anyway, him. I haven't read this. No one has read this. Patrick, you haven't read this. Come on. <laughs> Come well, on. Number three on Patrick's list is an even deeper pull. Okay. And also a comic I haven't read. Okay, it's Primal Force numbers zero <laughs> through fourteen by Steven Siegel and Ken Hooper. Uh, also, th- this is the zero hour list, baby. Yes, it, it is. It is all zero hour, all the time. I mean, that look. This should be entirely in my wheelhouse. Primal Force uh, was a comic I refused to pay two dollars an issue for, <laughs> so I never got it. I, when when I found a set, um, also it's got Red Tornado in it, and eh, I'm not gonna. You know, I mean, Red Tornado was also in One Star Squadron, which was a great comic. That's true, but that was a comic that was all the how Red Tornado sucks. Fair. Uh, this is the most image comics looking DC comic I've ever seen. It is, but if you like, if you look at that logo. That's the most 1994-ass DC Comics logo. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't be more. It, yeah, it really... They were like Elemental Guys or something? That's why Red Tornado was in it? It was Claw, Golem, Jack-O-Lantern, Meridian, and Red Tornado. Yeah, th- three new characters and Red Tornado. Mm-hmm. That's not a selling point for anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh man okay well that's that's 0 for 2 
for the rest of... Uh, Liam McHugh is the third person to carry the mystical pumpkin that grants him the power of flight and energy projection. That's in the letters page of uh, Primal Force, number one. Pretty funny that both Marvel and DC have a jack-o'-lantern. Because I suppose you can't trademark the name jack-o'-lantern. You cannot. And neither one is, like, worth suing over. D- d- true, yes. It's not like DC introduces a character called Spider-Man with no hyphen. <laughs> it's like, both these guys suck equally. And that's kind of that. All right, Patrick does have a backup for us. The, uh, by the way, I do want to point out, we are talking about the boss dog, uh, Patrick O'Duffy, here. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the backup is Extreme Justice numbers 0 through 18 by Dan Vado and Mark Campos. And Matt, I regret to inform you that I have read this. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> it sucks so fucking bad. This, oh, this, this this is the team that Captain Adam is the leader of. Buddy, here's who's on the team. Uh, we got Captain Adam. Yeah. Uh, who charitably sucks. Yeah. Like, we can, like, look, we can be honest with each other. Listeners, you can, we can be honest with you. You can be honest with us. Captain Adam sucks, and Captain Adam's never getting over. Sorry, Carrie Bates, it's not happening. I remember when the Jeff Loeb, Ed McGinnis, Superman, Batman debuted. And I don't remember if it was the end of the first issue or the somewhere else in the run, but I remember an issue ending with a last page reveal of Captain Adam about to fight Superman. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt more like I was supposed to think something was cool and didn't than that. Like, that reveal was the most I should care about this, but I don't. I've ever been reading comics. That's the most I've ever felt that. Yeah, that's, I believe Captain Adam and Hawkman both show up. <laughs> Uh, but here's 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 who's on the team. It's Captain Adam. Uh, it's Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, but not the way you want them. It's like the imageification of Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. The the cover of Extreme Justice number zero, where Blue Beetle is doing the most Todd McFarlane Spider Man ass pose mm-hmm. of all time is. Truly hilarious. And Booster Gold has like shoulder pads and shit. Well, this is Boost like you you've read The Death of Superman, Matt. You know that Booster Gold gets his head slammed a car door bunch by by uh Doomsday. Yeah. Which that dude should have seen it coming. And I know that like Jeff Johns and Dan Jurgens did that comic where he was like, Yeah, I I did know that Doomsday was gonna kill Superman, but I still, you know, I tried to take the hit. And that was actually like a good moment for him. But man, Booster Gold got his shit fucking rocked uh, by uh, by Doomsday, and uh, then they built this armor out of skeets so that he could have cool armor. Yeah, because uh, you know, cool armor. That's what Everybody. you get. Nineties Captain America's about to get some too. Everybody in nineteen ninety five got armor. 
Yeah, bud. No shit. 1995 was Comics Armor Year. That's when the Armor War should have happened. Yeah, because Booster Gold got armor, Captain America got armor. I'm pretty sure that's the year Daredevil got armor. That armor's kind of good, actually, though. Like that that Daredevil story where he gets armor is the best armor story. Yeah, talking about Fall from Grace. Yes. By by uh, uh, who was it? DG Chichester. Yeah. And uh, and number one, <laughs> number one Jesus fans, Scott McDaniel. Yes. It's it's uh, underrated. Underrated run on Daredevil. It the really DG, is. Chichester was not bad. No, honestly, I don't think. Uh, and you know, Scott McDaniel did a good job on that book. And that cover where he's like getting thrown out of the uh, fucking Empire State Building is the is the shit. Okay, we are. We've officially gotten completely off topic by talking. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. Uh, okay, so so it's it's Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle, and Booster Gold, but not the way you want them. Yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, I, I believe this is Amazing Man. Is correct. Amazing Man is in the uh, on the team. Yeah, yeah. Who they they did put a good faith effort into trying to get that guy over. Uh but but this ain't it, Chief. Uh, and then rounding out the team, we have Maxima, the uh, character who is defined by the fact that she really wants to fuck Superman, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I love, and I love her, and she's great. And there should be more comics about this hot lady that comes to Earth to fuck Superman. <laughs> like, how is that? How is that like a Dan Jurgens era thing and not like something Kurt Schaffenberger drew <laughs> in 1958? Um, anyway, uh, that's that's who's on this team. And if you're like, wow, I bet that team would only be better if Firestorm showed up every now and then. I have some great news for you about the events of Extreme Justice. Uh, if you're like, that does not sound like a good team and I would not enjoy uh, reading about them fighting fucking Monarch or whatever. Because, uh, you know, Monarch was supposed to be Captain Adam, and then he wasn't. Uh, then then I have some real bad news. This comic sucks. It's really bad. It is, like I talked about, I've said that it looked like uh, Primal Force was DC trying to do an image book. This is DC trying to do an image book. Oh, this was like, this was like... I believe that that Rob Liefeld of Extreme Studios uh-huh. has gone on record saying that he's pretty sure this was DC Comics trying to make people not like Image Comics. <laughs> like this is this is intentionally we are going to kill the word extreme. I don't think that's true. I think it's them trying to like get a little bit of that, that Rob heat on their own stuff. They're trying to get the juice. They're trying, trying to, get to get the, the juice. juice. But I do know why he would think that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is all you, buddy. I mean, it sucks. It okay. sucks, dude. Here's the thing, though. Where do you put a where do you put a comic that like you look at it and go, that's going to suck. And then you read it, 
And yes, you are correct. Okay, but does it suck in a really horrible way or in kind of an endearing way? I mean, it sucks, dude. <laughs> but there are variations of sucks. Yeah, but like, it's like, it's endearing because it's old. <laughs> but it does suck real bad. I mean, I guess it's the difference between The Man Called Fate and which which people remember kind of fondly as a comic that sucks. Yeah. And this book that nobody remembers. Nobody but me. Because <laughs> I've read them. I've read every page. Because nobody was trying to charge me $2 for these bad boys. Okay. Is it better or worse than when the Justice League fought Mr. Graves? I mean, that's a real tough question, Matt. I, I'm here to ask the tough questions. That's like, again, where do you put a comic that's like, that, that is like, this is supposed to be good? And where do you put a comic that, like, very self-evidently sucks? And that kind of everybody knows it sucks. Dan Votto went on to do, like... Dan Votto's, like, the guy... Like, the founder of, like, Slave Labor Graphics, right? Like, he knew this sucked. I mean, maybe he didn't. Maybe he thought it was a good comic. Maybe. Matt, look at the cover of Extreme Justice number 6 and tell me anybody looked at this and told and said it was a good comic. I mean, that's the one that made me go like, oh, this is a 1,000% trying to do an image comic. Yeah, yeah, bud. Because, like, yeah. even the signature on the cover is, like, aping Rob's signature. Yeah. That is a cool signature, though. Yeah, yeah. Why don't people do that anymore? Because it's Rob's thing. You'd be stepping on Rob's toes. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, it sucks, but it ain't hurting anybody. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean when I say it's a little endearing, right? So you're I mean, saying it's, it's better it's not than endearing because, like, it did. Like, it's a very bad. Like, if you here's here's my thing. These characters are by and large, like these, like Beetle and Booster for sure, to a lesser extent. Uh, Captain Adam, like, if you like those characters, it's not because of books like this. No. So I don't know, like, who they were trying to get with this. Image people. Image yeah, people. but like, I don't know, man. People who were buying. But if you wanted image, like, if you wanted image guys, then why wouldn't you put, like, fucking gunfire on it? I don't know. You know, they, like they Gunfire and Azrael should have been on a team. They were absolutely gunning for people who were buying Bloodstrike. Gunfiring. <laughs> yeah. It was absolutely the same audience as Bloodstrike that they were going for. Yeah. Uh, that works. Oh, man, don't, don't diss Will's, Will's Portacio like that. I'm just saying they're going for the same audience. I mean, it's... I feel like it's worse than Youngblood Strike File number one, which we have at 1131, because there is an honesty to that comic, right? And there is not an honesty to this comic. 
Oh, I th- I thought you'd be going way below that. I'm just scrolling down, bub. I mean, I was I asked about Mr. Graves, and that's at number thirteen fifty five. That's really tough, though, because like that comic, there's no there's no reason that comic should suck. I mean, I guess there's no reason any comic should suck. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I know it's not as bad as DC Universe decisions. That was a fucking rough, rough, rough boy. Uh, is it better or worse than Angel Punisher? It's worse than Angel Punisher. Angel Punisher is kind of good, actually. Okay. I think I found the spot for it, actually. Okay. Between Executioner's Song at 1343 okay. and Batman the Cult at 1344. Hard agree. Hard agree. All right. That's the spot for it, Matt. Uh, Extreme Justice numbers 0 through 14. Also not one story, and also not a uh, consistent creative team, but, like... I'm gonna let it slide. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're letting that one through. (laughs) God, who does Al Rio draw this? Jeez. Yeah, uh, Dan Votto was gone by issue 8. And uh, then it was a revolving door of writers. You have never seen some whack lettering like you have seen in this comic, man. Oh, boy. It really was just like one writer after another on the rest of this book. That's that's bananas. Okay, that is the end of the list from uh, the boss dog, Patrick O'Duffy. Thank you, Patrick, for sending in that list. Our next list comes from Dan Black, and I'm going to say, uh, Dan has been waiting very patiently for me to get to this list. Because he's resubmitted it several times, and it keeps getting lost in the shovel every time we record an episode, so I am definitely getting to it this episode. Uh, So Chris, we are taking this list from Dan Black, which is themed the New Marvel High Concept Squad. Okay. Okay? Okay. First on Dan's list is Defenders Volume 6. By Al Ewing, Javier Rodriguez, Alvaro Lopez, and Joe Caramagna. This is the 2021-2022 Defenders series, which they promised that they would follow up on and have not. Yeah, what what do I got to do to get more of Galactus's hot mom? That, that book is the most I've ever liked Defenders, by a wide margin. That book's the most I've ever liked Defenders? And I'm someone who has at least positive feelings about several runs of Defenders. <laughs> I mean, the Matt Fraction run on Defenders is good. Fraction and Dotson are really good. I like the, the Busiek and uh, uh, Eric Larson Defenders. But this is, this is the most I've ever liked Defenders. I, I, I love this team because... It's weird like the Defenders should be, but like even weirder. Because you, you have some, some standbys. You have Doctor Strange and Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. But you also have Betty Ross as Red Harpy. Yeah, bud. From, from fucking <laughs> Immortal Hulk. Uh-huh. You have the Masked Raider. Who was from Marvel Comics number one thousand? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Cloud. And then you've got uh, Galactus's hot mom, Taya. And that rules. What Who a great speaks in bigger word balloons than everybody else? Yes. The MILF Cosmic. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely, yes. That is what yeah, she is. Bud. Uh, that's a good-ass comic. It's only five issues long. And they promised it would come back. They promised. They promised us. Mm. If I'm going to knock the book for anything, it's that it's too short and ended too soon and never came back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like what, are, what are we doing? Not having more of this uh, completely buckwild comic that by one of the best writers and one of the best artists. Yes. That and you know what? I'm sorry, go ahead. That, that took a tour backwards through all eight iterations of the universe. Because mm-hmm. remember how after Secret Wars, we're in the eighth world. Sometimes you gotta go all the way back to the first world. ISO eight. Yeah, because ISO eight, baby. Because Al Ewing uh, dropped that shit on us back in the Contest of Champions, uh, fucking mobile game. I am. Love that shit. Love it so goddamn much. Here's the thing, Chris. Here's the thing about this book. Because I think people reading it who. Are, are looking for a way to describe it and see the kind of like non-linear storytelling or, or like mega cosmic storytelling of it. And the, 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 the color scheme and the art being like kind of surreal. And I think they might be tempted to call this like psychedelic, right? And I don't know that that's a totally wrong assessment of what this book is. But my take on what this book is, with all of its ideas and its incredibly creative visuals and its its styles and the introduction of the archetypes of the fourth cosmos Mm -hmm. and, and all these different ideas. It's it's I, it feels like Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez ask themselves like in a really serious way, what if Jack Kirby was making comics now? And this is the the best example of that I think I've ever seen. That isn't just a nostalgia trip. Yeah. It is one of the absolute best comics about comics. Because, right, because there's, like, the, there's the four colors. There's the four colors in here, and there's like, like, not just going back through the eight iterations of the Marvel Universe, starting with like you know, like going back to the uh, to the sixth world where where Galactus's hot mom is from. 
but like going all the way back to like like sketches like literally and figuratively going back through the like what comics are and the the CMYK stuff and the Bende Dot stuff the big the big fucking monster with the four heads who speaks in the four colors yeah that the, fucking owns the the, the four headed hulk right yeah 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 and there's like all the tarot card stuff so there's like an additional structure on it and all of it really works together like buddy it's it's the shit it's about as damn good as marvel comics get honestly it's about as good as a truncated five issue recent marvel comic series can be that's true i mean i would say like I would put it up there with like, you know, we've got Agents of Atlas at 182 and I would put it up there with that. Yeah, I think it's as good. You know, yeah. um like right around that probably it's probably not as good as Craven's Last Hunt. <laughs> no, I would not put it above that. I I I the, the book I'm most compelled to compare it to is Age of the Century. The comic's got great pull quotes. Yes, but I think I I think ultimately it's better than Age of the Century because Age of the Century is doing everything with a week with a wink, and Defenders is completely earnest. Like it is really trying to do a thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I could I could put it in the hundreds for sure. Uh I think the best place to put it is right above Dark Knight's Metal and right below The Sealman's War on Santa Claus. All right. The what, uh Jack Kirby Christmas comic. What number does that make it? That would be the new 189. That is that is a good spot. Uh all yeah, right. But- the new number 189 is Defenders, Volume 6, which is from 2021. Was it, like, released under, uh, like, an actual name? Like in trade paperback? Yeah. I don't know, because I read it in issues. Uh, Nope, just, looks like just Defenders. Oh, wait, Matt! There is a second series. Defenders Beyond. Oh, that's right. Which has Tigra and America Chavez in it. That's right. And which was another five issues. It was it ended after five issues. Yeah, which just came out February 2023 in paperback. I didn't read this as it was coming out. I gotta go back and read this. Because I was convinced it never <laughs> it never came back. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know either. Okay, great. So, here's what we'll do. We'll maintain the ranking of Defenders Volume 6 where it is now. We'll read Defenders Beyond. In fact, why don't we make it our April catch-up? That sounds great cuz that is a comic I would actually like to read and I'm fairly certain I would enjoy. So, let's make it our April catch-up. And if we decide that we just put it in in with Defenders Volume 6, we could just put it in the same entry. All right, sounds good. Okay, perfect.
I'm so glad we got that submission and did it on this episode so we could <laughs> be reminded of Defenders Beyond or even learn about Defenders Beyond and be like, oh, we got to read that. And yeah. now we have our April catch-up. Yeah. The next story on Dan's list, Chris, is another very good recent high-concept Marvel comic. It's The Death of Doctor Strange by Jed McKay, Lee Garbett, Antonio Fabella, and Corey Pettit. Oh, the, the Death of Doctor Strange? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's the comic that made us love Jed McKay. Yeah. Yeah, when, uh, remember when, um, Steve Dicko Doctor Strange showed up? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, that was, a lot of comics are good. I mean, well, that's, that might not be true. <laughs> that might not actually be true. A lot of comics are pretty bad, actually. But, uh, a lot of comics are good. And a lot of comics have a first issue that has, like, a really, really good ending. Uh, and, and that can be difficult to follow up on. This is a comic that had a really, really good ending of that first issue that it completely lived up to. Yes. And that's a, like, that is not just a, uh, like a, a Jed McKay thing. Like I said, you know, this is the book that made us like really, really like Jed McKay. Uh, but also like. Lee Garbett drew Steve Ditko Doctor Strange. And I knew Lee Garbett was good, but I didn't know that that Lee Garbett was that good, <laughs> you know? Like, I, I, I think it's worth noting that it's not just Steve Ditko asked Doctor Strange, which is cool enough as it is. But Steve Ditko asked Doctor Strange arrives as Doctor Strange's backup plan to solve his own murder. Uh, yeah, uh, Doctor Strange is Batman of Zuranar. <laughs> yes, Doctor Strange is Batman of Zuranar is himself drawn by Steve Ditko. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. It's it's one of my favorite comics of 2021, which was a great year for comics. It's like I li- I love what's happening in Do- the Doctor Strange books now. We reviewed Doctor Strange number one, uh, just last week, and I loved the Clea book. But Death of Doctor Strange is like it is such an incredible first volley of like it really is. here I am. Here's the book I'm doing, and you might think. It's called Death of Doctor Strange, but then he'll get out of dying at the end somehow. But no, at the end he dies twice. Yes, which is great. Like he gets out of dying and then dies, <laughs> right? Because he has uh, to. Yeah, it's 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 good stuff. I kind of wish like Death of Doctor Strange, Strange starring Clea Strange, and the new Doctor Strange. We're like this is this is old man Chris talking, but like I wish they were all just one series, you know. I wish it was all just this was the run on Doctor Strange, in the way that you know, in the in the way that honestly, like I wish 
uh, Jim McKay's run on uh, Moon Knight was like that. I wish uh, Jim McKay's run on Black Hat was like that. Uh, but in the way that, like, you know, Walt Simonson's Thor is Walt Simonson's run on Thor. I wish it was that, you know? Instead of, uh, like, we would have read that Defender series if it had all been in series. We just would have been in the habit of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I think it's just the reality of comics in the 2020s. But I, I do think Death of Doctor Strange stands alone. I don't really want to lump it in with the the Clea Strange series or the new Doctor Strange series, because I think it is very much its own thing. Like, not to say that the, the sisters won't ever come back, but it, 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 it's, it's pieces of the story continue, certainly. But I do think I, the mothers, excuse me, the mothers, the three mothers, not the sisters. Uh, elements of this story keep coming back, but I think it is very much its own entity, and we should rank it as its as itself, and not mix it up with the the Clea book or with the new. Oh, I think we should rank it as itself as well. I just wish that it was all coming out in a comic book called Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Number number three hundred and forty seven or whatever. That is just not the reality of comics right now. I know, and that's fine. Like I said, that's just me being an old man. Yeah, this is an old man, Matt. Sure, same. Uh, let's never forget that this is a book that ends with five sorcerers supreme from different dimensions form a pentagram to defeat the three mothers. Yeah, bud. A, a fire pentagram. Yeah, bud. And it rules extremely. And one of them's a fucking X-Man. Yeah. What, yeah, it's Ileana Rasputin. That's Marvel Comics bullshit is what that is. It really is. And one of them is the Sorcerer Supreme of the Purple Dimension, who is running roughshod through the main Doctor Strange book now. Well, was running roughshod. Hmm. That's right. Spoilers. Yes. Uh... I mean, like, again, this is really good. Like, you said it, man. 2021 was a good-ass year for at least Marvel comics, but, like, probably comics in general. Like, the 2020s so far have been pretty fucking good. Yeah. There's been a lot of real good comics. Yeah, for real. Um, What do we think? How do we think it, it... rates against that Defenders book we just ranked. I feel like they're pretty close. I feel like they're close. I feel like it's not... It's good, but I don't know if it's that good. Like, I'm looking at stuff, like, maybe down in the 250s, 260s. Okay. Like, I think it's probably... I think it's probably more on par with JLA Hitman. Or... Uh, the uh, Wolverine's marriage in Uncanny X-Men. Probably not as good as Peanuts kicked the football number one. That's 249. Yeah. Okay. Probably, I would say not as good as 
the X-Men story where they fight Arcade, which owns, but better than Batman Night of the Stalker. Okay, so it'll be the new number 255 on the list. Yeah. This is the recency bias edition of uh, Every Story Ever, Everybody. All right, so Death of Doctor Strange, the new number 255. Finally, here on Dan's list is Avengers Volume 5 and New Avengers Volume 3 by Jonathan Hickman and lots of artists. This is the entire Jonathan Hickman run on Avengers. I haven't read it. I've read some of it. Yeah, bits. Bits and pieces. I, I, I kept up with it the best I could. But that's a lot of comics. It is. And, like, I have said before that, like, I want to go back and kind of, like, read all of of Jonathan Hickman at Marvel pre-Age of X. Yeah. No, we call it now? Hawksbox? What do we call it? Dawn? I'm sure there's a name. Dawn of X is what I think just that particular, the the Hickman part in particular was was called. Age of Ten. Hmm. Mm. I would like to go back and read that because I read all of Fantastic Four and I've read a good chunk of the X-Men stuff. The Hickman Avengers leading up to, to Secret War Wars 2015 is where I have the most gaps. But I also think it's too much to do as a single catch-up, it feels like it's just a project to go back and reread all of, reread or read all of the Hickman Avengers run. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I know it's going to be extremely good. Yeah, but also, like, it does feel a little like homework, especially when I just like on a whim reread Secret Wars twenty fifteen like last month, and um. I mean that that owns. If if you haven't read that one, it's really good. It's the best Marvel crossover, and I personally got money from it. So the thing about Secret Wars 2015 is that it's all the good stuff. It's all the payoff, right? Yeah, I do think that some of those early issues in the Hickman Avengers run do, as you say, feel a little bit like homework. It's a little bit of a grind to like be introduced to all these new characters and cause, cause Hickman's doing a lot of like the Marvel version of crisis in that mm-hmm. run. Like fully. Yeah. Yeah. And while that's cool, it's also not always fun. It's like, what I have read of it is extremely good, but it's like you are you are watching someone build something. Yes. And so, so it's like good and it's fascinating, but a lot of it is like watching the pieces be put into place, knowing that it's gonna be great. It's it's less immediately satisfying than his Fantastic Four run or his X-Men run was. But I think the payoff in the end is maybe better than either of those. Like the X-Men run has unfortunately become a a matter of 
somewhat diminishing returns, especially because he ended up leaving, right? Yeah, but I feel like like it's such a change of the status quo that now we're just used to, oh, this is the X-Men all live on an island that fucks. And right. We've come to accept that as just being part of life. Right, but the 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 exciting part of Dawn of X was the beginning. You know? Like <clears throat> everything was new and exciting and the character dynamics were really fascinating. Like finding out that Wolverine and Cyclops and Jean Grey were now a thruple was like yes, okay. <laughs> let's let's go. And the Moira stuff was like really cool. And th- then those original plans got abandoned. Like it didn't get to play out fully. And I think the Avengers run is sort of the opposite of that, where it's like it's a little bit plotting at the beginning, and you have to get through that beginning to get to the good stuff. And it it made me less excited to read it, even though I knew it was going to be good. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> nonetheless, we should go back like, and catch up on all like, of it. Yeah, that's a thing that I, I kind of think we should do for Comics Catch-Up, but it would literally be, this is what we do for Comics Catch-Up for the year 2024. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't think we do it as a catch up. I think we just on our own time go back and read those comics and then and then revisit it because there's too much of it to do. Okay. All right, Matt. Matt? Yeah. Matt? Mm-hmm. Gurneys. Right. Jerky's in the mystery. Journey into mystery, yeah. Hickmania twenty four. We're not gonna get through. We're not gonna get through Jurgen's Thor that quick. I mean, we we might. It's only that's not. It's not that long. Is well, it's like fifty issues. It's longer than you think. Eh, Okay, fair. It's longer than you think. He his run on that book is is surprisingly long. (laughs) Well, let's 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 pencil it in. Okay. Uh let me let me see if I can find uh how lo- how long that run is cuz it it goes it goes again way longer than you think. It's not 10 years, but it's not it, 10 years. I feel like it is it's 5. Yeah, minimum. Uh let's see. Thor volume 2. I'm looking on the Marvel database. It goes He's it okay. Michael Avon aiming takes over when it becomes disassembled, which is also really good. Yeah. yeah that's like how the book ends. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Jurgens run is 79 issues. Damn, that was longer than I thought. Yeah. It I mean, lasts it ain't, it ain't 200, but it's a, it's a grip. It lasts from 1998 until 2004. So, 
a good solid six years. All right, let's do let's do Jerky's into Misery, and then Hickmania. Hickmania whenever it starts. It, it may be 2024. It may be later. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a good idea. Okay. Uh, Dan, thank you for sending in that list. Uh, I'm glad we finally got to it. There's some good stuff on there. Uh, our next list, Chris, comes from Austin Wilden. And the theme of this list is the first step on the path to greatness. These are manga before they hit their stride. Okay. Uh, I don't know how much we're going to be able to rank these, but uh, I mean, we can, we can go to Sean. Well, there's one I know I can rank. And I'm relying on you for the other two. Okay. The first is One Punch Man chapters one through four. They fucking own. Yeah. That is extremely fucking good. That is everything before Genos shows up. I mean, it gets better when when Genos shows up, but like, it's also extremely fucking good. Like from Jump Street. Here's my question: Is One Punch Man one complete story, or should we break it up into arcs like this? I think the 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 best way to do it. Is is like I I think everything before Gino shows up is a great way to break out the story. Okay, like because then there's clearly some other stuff in that, and there's clearly another arc when they try to join the Hero Association. Okay, like th- there okay. are definitely arcs to that. I think so. I think this is a good this is a good demarcation. Well done. All right. So it owns, but not as much as it eventually owns. Yes. Okay. But it does own pretty fucking hard. Well, give me give me a, an idea of where of where it goes. I mean, like, it's it's such a good take on superheroes. Like, it's one of the reasons that I'm kind of surprised I didn't like uh, My Hero Academia that much. Because it seemed like there were, like, some really, really good manga takes on what felt more like riffing on Western superhero comics in the way that, like, American comics have been liberally stealing from manga. Uh, for years, so, I, I know. I know. For me, the thing about My Hero Academia was not even really about My Hero Academia. It was about me. Like I just, I've never felt older reading a comic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just felt like it was for younger readers and not me, and. Yeah, I'm not blaming it for that, but it just that's why it didn't click with me. Uh, it definitely did seem like something the kids like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, that kid cries a lot, man. Yes. That is true. Get, tell you who doesn't cry a lot, and that's uh Goku. 
But that kid, do you know what the kid in One Punch Man doesn't get his dick out a whole bunch? So, who can say? I mean, child Goku, I think, cries quite a bit. I don't think he does. He's really dumb. Mm, that's true. I remember him crying in the anime. Uh, but I don't know about it in the manga. Yeah, I don't know. Sailor Moon cries a lot. Just, you, know, you know what? Crying's fine, actually. I don't know why I even said that. Crying's fine. If you feel the need to cry, you should. Yeah, get those emotions. You should be ashamed of it. You should embrace those emotions and and process them. Agreed. Don't bury them like I did. (laughs) Because I do not enjoy having the negative feelings. Don't be like us. Don't Uh, be like us, folks. Okay, so the first chapters of One Punch Man... What's the neighborhood? Where, where, Where are we looking? I mean... Probably, I mean, they're really good. They're like, you know, we're getting a lot of, like, top shooters this time, it feels like. Yeah. Because, like, they're about as good as as Grayson, right? I, I mean, I don't think they're quite that good. I don't think they're, like, it's better than all of Bone or Copra Round 1 or Robin Dies at Dawn. But, like, I think it's, it's you know. I mean, you gotta leave some room for the better chapters of one punch man but that's true yeah i mean okay well like is it better than jla new world order no it's not better than jla new world order but i think it is better than jla year one which is at 325 okay i think it's i don't what happens in bprd the universal machine do you remember no I, i mean clearly it's good it's number three hundred twenty-two on the list. Uh, well, I'm I'm looking to remind myself. I think it's better than Thor the God Butcher. Wow. Okay. Okay. It's really fucking good, dude. Okay. I I I, I hear you. I think, but I think it's it's. I think it's. I think it's better than. The issue of Flash where Wally says Johnny Quick's speed formula. But I don't think it's as good as Young Avengers Volume 1. Okay, so that puts it the new number 315. Yeah. Adjacent to Oh Hell Yeah. Uh, so One Punch Man chapters 1 through 4 is what that goes there. Okay. Next on Austin's list is One Piece Romance Dawn, which is Luffy's origin up through meeting and recruiting Zoro. It's pretty good. It doesn't, like, once Zoro is in the mix, it really ramps up. And then by the time, like, kind of the, the crew gets together, it's it's pretty like tight like like the Arlong Park saga we have on here uh and that's pretty fucking amazing uh Matt I re- I've been reading a little bit more on One Piece lately I've gotten up to like into the like past chapter 100 mm-hmm. so they're like getting out into the grand line and everything uh and there's an issue where somebody is uh mean to a dog oh no and Luffy hits the fucking rainmaker on him <laughs> and it's like fucking popped. I mean, of course. That's like 
for you specifically? Yeah, but it's got everything I like. Uh, so it's not as good as the Arlong Park Saga, which we have very high because it's a very good comic. And that's at 122. It's where a guy says, yeah, what's up? I'm actually a 40th degree master of Fishman Karate. Great. Uh, I, but I, I don't think it's as good as One Punch Man either. It's still pretty solid. Like, it's still, I mean, highly readable. You know? It, it's just yeah. the, the, the dynamics aren't there yet. Right. Uh, but it definitely, it's, it's good enough to hook you. Um, I think it's better than My Hero Academia Volume 1, which we have at 465, which is still pretty high. Yeah, it's pretty high. Uh, we, I mean, we recognize I, that My Hero Academia was good. It just wasn't for us. I don't think it's as good as Ninjak Volume 3 by Matt Kent. That comic actually owns. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, but I think it's better than Birds of Prey, Dead of Winter. Okay, so that puts it at the new number 464. Yeah. Uh, and that is One Piece. The Romance, Romance Dawn. Romance Dawn. All right. The third story here on Austin's list is for me. And it is Berserk, the Black Swordsman arc. All right. Hey. Hey. I'm going to get rid of, up real close to the mic okay. for this. It fucking rules. There are people who will tell you not to read the Black Swordsman arc. And I don't know what the fuck those people are talking about. It is the first arc of Berserk. It doesn't have the emotional complexity of the later chapters. That is true. But it absolutely and completely fucking rules. It introduces Guts after he has lost an eye and an arm. And he is roaming around the world with his fairy sidekick. And he is killing demons. He is just a guy who is obsessed with killing demons. At that point, that is all you know about Guts. He is a dude with one eye and one arm, and one of his arms is a cannon, and he uses it to fucking destroy demons. And he does it in the coolest way possible. He, The way he, like, brutally kills this, like, uh, like feudal lord who is a demon in the very first part of the Black Swordsman arc is great. It's so good that they made the entire first episode of the Berserk anime just that. Like, that is the entire adaptation of the Black Swordsman arc in anime. A single episode where Guts just wrecks this motherfucker (laughs) who turns into a snake (laughs) by revealing that his arm is a cannon and shooting down that demon's throat with the cannon that is his arm. But then, in the in the manga, it continues into uh, Guts tracking down another sort of like feudal lord demon who 
wants to like trick him and kill and kill guts on behalf of the the five uh which includes griffith but you don't know anything about griffith yet and guts has a big showdown with uh with the group of like horrible demons that runs the world and like you see the odds that he's up against the God hand is what they're called. And you see the odds that he's up against. And like, I don't know if Mira just put up all this stuff in a comic and then had to figure out a way to explain it into a cohesive story later, or if he had the whole story in his mind from the beginning but the way it all ends up connecting when you get the rest of the story, when you go into the Golden Age arc, is masterful. Like, the Golden Age arc is definitely where Berserk hits its stride. And is probably also, like, the peak of Berserk. Berserk is good after the Golden Age arc is over. But there are places where it meanders. The art gets more and more and more beautiful. Uh, like, you could see Kentaro Miura become a, a master of his art as the series goes on. Not to say that the art in the Black Swordsman arc is bad. It's not. But it does get much, much better. But the storytelling, I, I would say that I would not rank the Black Swordsman arc at the bottom of berserk arcs. I think there are arcs later that are a little more meandering, a little more uh a little less eventful. Like there's an arc where uh Guts and all his buddies are waiting on a boat for a really long time and that part kind of does drag on for a while. The Black Swordsman arc is better than that. And I think the Black Swordsman arc, like, again, anybody who tells you to start Berserk with the Golden Age arc is wrong, wrong, wrong. Read the Black Swordsman arc. Because it, yeah, Guts is a little bit of an asshole in it, but it explains Guts and everything about him. Like, you get it. I love the Black Swordsman art. I want to put this very high, Chris. Go for it, dude. All right. I do want to leave some room for the Golden Age, which I do think is better. I don't think this is better than the Super Mario Adventures book we have at number 162. It's probably not better than The Night When Stacy Died, but I would put it above The Secret Revealed in Superman Volume 2, number 2. Wow. Okay. I'm putting it at number 164. Was a... Was a uh, Kentaro uh, uh, Mira was, was he problematic? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Uh, yeah, he, well, then, you know, let's put him over John Byrne. No problem. 
There, there's okay. Here's what I know about Kintaro Mira. Berserk in the Golden Age arc, in its best story, prominently features, uh, like sexual assaults and and those sorts of story beats. And what I've said before is, you can include those things in a story. You just have to be as good as Berserk. Yeah. But later on in his life, Mura admitted and apologized for those parts of Berserk, saying that he went too far. So I think Kintaro Mura we could be pretty all right with. R.I.P. To a real one. All right. Also, Entering the list in the new number 146. Yeah. Is the also, mark. the new chapters of Berserk have started. Like, they've continued it since he died. And uh, they're pretty good. I was worried. They're pretty good. So that's that. Uh, thank you for sending in that list, Austin. That was very fun to talk about. Very good stuff. Uh, our next list, Chris, comes from Joshua Golden. And according to Joshua, this is a list of terrible, horny, nine chickweed lane strips that all ran within two weeks of one another. Okay. All right. These are all from May 2020. I have never read this comic strip in my life. I am only aware of it. I think David Willis posts a lot of it. This must be in newspapers in some region of the country that I have never lived in. Where does David Willis live? See, I don't know. Seattle, no? West Coast. West Coast, I think. This must be a West Coast thing, this this comic strip. Because I've never seen this comic in a newspaper. Have you? No, but I don't, I, I don't uh, follow print media. I mean, I did for a long time. This strip. I, I get all in, of my information from the dark web. <laughs> this strip launched in 1993. Okay, so Are I would see these somewhere that I'm not seeing. Uh, I I sent the link oh, to you. Okay, here we go to the first one. What? This is too much. This is too much for a Sunday morning. That's the Lord's Day. (laughs) It does start. The first two panels are profile shots of what I assume are our two lead characters' crotches. Uh Uh-huh. Let's see. Who, Who are these characters? I don't know. I don't like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like looking at this. I think the guy is Amos. And the woman is Etta. Uh, They are husband and wife. Uh, So they are. 
So they, they we profile shots of their midsections or the first two panels. Then the third panel is Etta from behind while her husband like looks at her and it's all like weirdly a Dutch angle. Yeah, it's okay. You can't just rotate everything in a panel to fit it in a panel. 45 degrees. <laughs> yeah. Cause this makes me, it, I don't, he, I don't like looking at it for several reasons. This comic one, it's taking place in a void. That's true. Like it's taking place in the fucking mists of Ravenloft, which I don't appreciate. But also like the composition of it and the pacing of it are bad. And also it's about this dude having a boner. So what Edda is saying in that panel is this bathing suit is cut way too high on the bottom and way too low on the top. It feels as if it's two sizes too small and the material is so thin as to be topographical. What were you thinking when you purchased it? Then we see uh, Amos with his hand up to his chin, and then he gives a, like another thoughtful look, and then he she says, "Did you even consider what I'd look like wearing this thing?" Then another shot of their midsections. Then he says, "Exactly." I mean, you say midsection, air crotch area. Yeah, I mean it's in profile, but yeah. Um, and he says exactly, and then it's just another shot of their crotch areas, but they're like up against each other. Dry now. humping. <laughs> well, there's and, no implied motion, but yeah. And like, and there's like wrinkle lines which have not been present in his pants, indicating that he is erect. Yeah, it's very wild that this. I hate this. (laughs) And it's not like, look, we've, we've ranked plenty of comics with dicks in them. Amwat. Amwat has so many dicks. There's, there's a comic with dicks at number six on the list currently. Dicks at six. That's what we always say. Yeah. Dicks at six. There's, I know that there are dicks in some Akewood strips. I don't think there are any in Great Outdoor Fight, but there might be. Yeah. There's there's one strip I vividly remember that had Yeah, one. the magical realism camera, yeah. Uh th- Well, there's one with uh Nice Pete that I really 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 don't like. Visca <laughs> doesn't like it either. I'm looking at Amwat right now. I'm looking at Amwat right now, and there's just so many fucking dicks in this comic. Yeah, it's true. Um, so it's not that. Like, that's not the problem. You know, like, have we ranked small favors? I love small favors. I think we well, have ranked small favors. Yeah, small favors is number eighty-eight. Yeah, that's a great. Like, that's in the top one hundred. That's a great comic. That's all about people fucking. It is. It's a full ass porno. So that's not what's making me uncomfortable about this. What's making me uncomfortable about this is that I hate how these people are drawn. And I hate knowing that this man, this character that I'm looking at, this person drawn this way has a penis. And that it's erect. 
and that he's ready to fuck, and that he presumably like fucks in the next, uh, like panel, like like as soon as this is over. All right. Well, let's let's not rank this just yet. Let's let's f- follow the rest of the uh, the strips that we've been sent. This one is from May sixth of twenty twenty. We didn't rank this one. No, and I'm I, not done talking about how much I hate it. Okay, okay. Because here's the other thing: this is a Sunday strip. It's got nine panels. It needs three. The the joke of this is this bathing suit is cut so high, like like blah blah blah. The next panel should be: Did you even consider what I look like wearing this thing? Then the next panel after that should be exactly because that's kind of a joke. It's not, but it's kind of a joke. But it's like, more, all of the these way- panels, where it's like, imagine this playing out in your like, imagine this conversation playing out where she says this, and then there's enough silent looking at her to fill the fucking Scott McCloud canvas of two panels. Well, it, yeah, what's weird about this comic is not that it is horny, because b- plenty of comics are horny, and that's whatever. What's weird about this comic is that it's taking place in the fucking Black Lodge. <laughs> yes, it's and and the weird Dutch angle makes it look like they are just floating in a void. Yes, they're floating in a void. It's 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 like they're fucking. I don't know anything about these two characters, so to me, they might as well be Special Agent Dale Cooper and Laura Palmer. Yeah, yeah. This I mean, it's, this is it's bad. This is bad, and I don't like it. And I don't like that this dude has a boner. And I don't like that this comic goes on long enough that we know they fuck after. And that we see that starting. But the, I but don't also, know this guy, but he looks like a dude who's... He... I don't... Like, how long has this comic been running? Since 1993. That's weird, because this dude looks like he should be sitting on a couch talking about video games. <laughs> talking about how fucking Quake load times are bad, or whatever. This... Yeah. As of the... This strip this comic had been running for 27 years. It is now on its 30th anniversary. So, so I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, bud. So let's look at the next strip, which is from May 6th of 2020. This is two different characters. One of whom has yellow squiggles for hair. They are sitting, drinking coffee. Then the woman, who's wearing big glasses and a, sw- and a turtleneck, it's like a turtleneck dress, just puts her hand straight on this dude's dick. Through his pants. Fully, like, on his dick. Yeah. There's like a lump there. Have you? 
are you like like clicking around to see like what comes before and after these things? Because let me tell you, bud, like it's just a lot of fucking. You know what this art style is like? It's like this like is a like commercial for an antidepressant. <laughs> no offense, but I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong, but what it reminds me of is they look like storyboards for a Disney movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you just sent me a panel from Omelette that's very funny. It, 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 you know how like people say, you know, there's that group that's like, ah, oh, Disney movies are secretly dirty. In The Little Mermaid, you can see all the penises in the ocean. And in The Lion King, when he pounces on the ground, the dust comes up and says sex. This is like a confirmation of that. But anyway, when she touches his dick, he spills coffee all over his face. Yeah, it's it's like he gets a like he gets a, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, you don't have to say it. I don't have the, to say it. But it's like show PG. The 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 last panel they're like looking at each other like sheepishly. Okay, well like this is May sixth. The one yeah. that you just like we just talked about where they're in the Black Lodge is May 3rd. 3rd, yeah. Go look at the, like, read the intervening strips, because this is part of an arc. Yeah, yeah, I, I see them, yeah. Yeah, May May 4th and May 5th are also all about, apparently there's a restaurant where these characters just go and just fuck at the coffee shop. There's no dialogue at all. It's, I'm so confused by it. Then on May 8th, everybody just got babies, and I don't understand. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Yeah, I... I don't want to rank these. Here's here's the point I was going to make about the coffee thing. They're, like, looking sheepishly at each other in the last panel. This guy should be screaming... Because he has splashed an entire mug of hot coffee onto his face. We don't know that it's hot. I mean, I, I, apparently not. It could be. He. It could be a mug of of lukewarm coffee. I don't. I, I will. I will say this. This lady. This horny Velma. I don't. I like. It is. The horny Velma's not poorly drawn. No, she's not. But I don't like the look of this guy. I like I don't think any of this is poorly drawn. I think old, old boy with his shorts on and his boner is not <laughs> barely recognizably human. All right, we're going to look at one last strip here. This is from May 12th. It's the man and woman from the first strip again. They are now fully clothed. She is also wearing a turtleneck dress. (laughs) 
tur- I mean, I mean, look, this is a good look. It's a good all look. women. All women in this comic wear turtleneck dresses. Uh, the guy is saying today someone repeated that old saw about music being an international language. So I played this and told him to translate it. He naturally couldn't. And she says, "What was it?" Uh, and he says, "I shall gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today." And she says, "Here's one for you." And he says, what is it? And she says, I shall gladly many ellipses you today. He says, your verb is missing. She says, I beg to differ. I love it. And then he says, I love it when you differ. And in the last panel, you just see feet on the piano keyboard. I don't think these are stories. I don't think these are stories. I don't know who these characters are. I don't know. Like, does this run in newspapers? Because <laughs> it's weird to think, like, it's weird to think that, like, was this happening at the same time that Dick Tracy went to the furry convention? Because that's a story <laughs> I would gladly read and rank. <laughs> uh, I think the furry convention was later. It was in 2022. It was last year. This was 2020. This feels like... I don't know what Nine Chickweed Lane was like before this, but this feels like maybe... Like, May of 2020, maybe these were being drawn like when the, when the reality of COVID was starting to set in. I think, it, I think these had to have been drawn before COVID. Because... Because comic strips are drawn at minimum three months in advance. Maybe. Man, all the, like I'm just looking at, at like just going back through these characters fuck all the time. Which is which is fine, I guess. I don't I, know. Man. Is this what okay? Look, I don't want to. I don't want to judge anybody for any reason. Is this the kind of stuff y'all are reading on the West Coast? <laughs> out in, out in Lipstick City. <laughs> uh, okay. She like fully grabs his dick in this one in the coffee shop. Yeah, man. He's uh, like eating soup. And drinking coffee over the course of this and just fully getting an HJ. This is this is from the Wikipedia page about Nine Chickweed Lane. In a column entitled The Unbearable Horniness of Nine Chickweed Lane, critic Nathan Rabin criticized the strip's recurring sexual themes, writing, It only f- it feels like the only gag in Nine Chickweed Lane is how unbelievable horny all unbelievably horny all the characters are for each other. Rabin is also critical of the strip's intellectual pretensions and uh, Mickle Downey's unspeakably pretentious, self-satisfied, endlessly masturbatory content. Brooke Mickle Downey is the the creator of Nine Chick Queen Lane, which, uh, based on the name, you might think that Brooke Mickle Downey is a a woman. Uh, He is not. I don't know, man. It's too much for me. 
it's like maybe maybe if I had like the warm up of reading Garfield before I hit this on a Sunday morning, the Lord's Day, maybe I would I I, I would be able to handle this. There's multiple strips that I'm seeing where just there's too much dialogue, and so they just turn, like, old boy just turn the panel sideways. Yeah. And, like, like, I I am someone who has written comic books before. I have written sequential art. And every time I have done that, every single time, without fail. Uh, I have had to go back and, and during the lettering process, cut out some of my wordy dialogue. But you can do that. You can, you, like, you, you don't have to have that much dialogue in a panel. If you don't want to. Like, if it's an issue. It, it, oh. it astonishes me that I have never seen this comic strip in my life. Yeah, man, I don't. It only runs in 60 newspapers. But I cannot find a complete list of the newspapers it runs in. Okay, well, now we've got to get into nine more. Well, it's, it's actually been removed from a bunch of newspapers over the last few years because of a whole different problem. Well, what's the different problem? It used a racial slur in a in a strip. In 2021. 2021? Yeah. Well, it was like a it was like a flashback World War II story, and so you could imagine which potential slur it used. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. We're not. I don't think this. this We're not ranking this. I'm sorry, Joshua. I mean, I think what you wanted was to confront us with this comic, and that's what you got. Yeah. So I'm not sorry. <laughs> All right, here's our next list. This is from Trace Short, and these are also comic strips, but I think we can rank these, because these are some Ernie Bushmiller Nancy strips. All right, much better. Much better. Uh, so these the okay these ran as Nancy classics in 2022, but I have the actual dates that these originally ran. Um, this one is from uh, April sixth, sixteenth, nineteen forty two. Uh, and it, it's pretty good. All right, let's see here. Uh, in it, Nancy is standing outside with a hose. She's she's spraying the lawn with a hose, and there's some rain coming down. And so, uh, Nancy's aunt. Uh, Fritzy, Aunt Fritzy mm-hmm. says, Nancy, it's starting to rain. And Nancy, adjusting the hose, says, don't worry, I won't get wet. Then there's a panel of Fritzy looking outside 
And then the final panel is Nancy spraying the hose into the sky, blocking the rain with her hose water and preventing her from getting wet. Do you know the best thing about this comic? Is it the featured comment? Yes, it is. (laughs) Every single thing about this featured comment is incredible. (laughs) The featured comment is uh, from someone named Gent. On GoComics.com. Yeah. It is from a year ago. So the the year twenty twenty two, yeah. I mean this 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 strip was rerun as Nancy Classics in January twenty twenty two. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is a recent comment. The user icon is a bear with a hat, mustache, and monocle. That's great. And the comment is just, how is this even possible? <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I I love the lo- like the pure weird kid logic of this. Yes, I it's it's such a cartoon gag. It's such a visual cartoon gag. I love it. Like, I don't know that it's as fun and inventive as some of the more recent Nancy strips that we've ranked, but I think this is, this is super fun. Yeah. No, it's, it's very good. Like, again, this is one of those things where it's like, I appreciate that this is a thing that a kid would think would work, and so in the world of Nancy, it works. Right. Because that is, that is the secret of Ernie Bushmiller Nancy. It's a it's a a world as a kid imagines it, you know. Uh, that's why those Nancy strips, those old Nancy strips, are so good. Do you think we can rank this 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 strip as as a story on the list? I feel like we got really, really broad with the definition of what a story is, Matt. Yeah, and that is that was our mistake. Yeah, we started defining gags as stories. But this fits with other things we have ranked before. I mean, it's it has a it is a sequential narrative of events. True. Uh it's this is a good gag. It's not the best Nancy. It's not the best Nancy. No. Let's let's find some other Nancy strips we have on the list and see if we can It's not, I don't think this is as good as Garfield answering a banana phone. Honestly. Uh, oh, it's John who answers a banana phone. <laughs> John answers the banana phone, yeah. I think it's better than John answering a banana phone. I think we ranked that comic way too low. I don't. <laughs> Do you think it's better than John drinking dog semen? Yes. I don't think it's as good as Nancy getting a circus loan. I, no, not as good. I think it's as good as Kids Don't Mail, though, which is at number 19. Is that, is that Sluggo is lit? 
No, 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 no. That's not. No, no, that, that's a different strip. Yeah. Uh, you think it's as good or better? I think it's as good. Is it as good as uh, Peanuts Doomed? Parentheses the icicle. Maybe not quite. Maybe not quite. Maybe maybe it can go a little bit below. Uh, let's see. Is I don't think it's as good as Rosalind plays Calvin Ball. That's a pretty solid. It is pretty solid. I agree. Thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, Matt. Here's here's one for you. Gambit versus Bishop. Nuff said. Mm. Oh Actually, no. I'm going to say it's not as good as poop, but it might be as good as meat tank. Fuck. I, I, I did not see that. Poop butt is so fucking funny. I didn't see that poop butt bullet coming at me. All right, let's put it above meat tank below the Nancy robotics club strip. I still cannot believe you don't think poop butt is Hilarious. <laughs> I, I'll always be a mystery that way. It's so funny. All right. This is Nancy 41642. Uh, and we'll just say blocking rain with hose for that one. All right. Next is Nancy from April 27th, 1949. Okay. And I'm sending that one to you now. In this strip. (laughs) Sluggo is outside Nancy's house. And he says, oh, Nancy, will you throw me my water pistol? Nancy throws the water pistol too hard into the path of a steamroller that just happens to be coming by. The steamroller runs over Sluggo's water pistol. And then in the last panel, Sluggo is just holding a giant flattened version of his water pistol. Um, Here's the problem is I kind of like, for some reason, I read this manga style. (laughs) <laughs> the first thing I saw was just Sluggo holding a giant gun. And that it like the new reaction image just dropped. Don't know what emotion it's capturing. But Sluggo with this giant gun is extremely funny. What was it about the 1940s where these kinds of visual gags, like, they were everywhere. Like, so many of these old Ernie Bushmiller strips remind me of Looney Tunes, you know? And this one is no different. Uh... I don't like it as much as the the water hose, but you might you might like it more. I think it's much. I think it's much funnier. I think, I think this is like it's I like the like, realism of the water hose, but okay. I wish the comment on this one was was how is this even possible? 
But the it's comment, not. The comment on this one is almost as good, though. It's from Monkey Sky. And it says, all the kids are going to be doing that now. With a needless comma. Great. All right. Find me a spot. Find me a spot for this one. I don't think it's too much better. But, I mean, Matt, I cannot deny. Like, you heard me laugh. You did laugh, yes. You did. I can't deny how funny it is. Would you say this is better than Hot Claws for Hanukkah, which is at number 916? Absolutely. Okay. How did that... What? First of all, how did that get on the list? It was submitted to us. (laughs) Like, Hot Claws for Hanukkah... I mean, 916 is a very respectable ranking for that. Yeah, I agree. I think this goes just above Hot Calls for Hanukkah. I think it goes at number the new number 916. I think that's fine. I think right. what if we just replace Hot Claws for Hanukkah? We cannot do that. We cannot do that. We could, Matt, for we are the arbiters of this list. Yes, but that was that was submitted to us for approval. We read it, and thus it must remain ranked. Uh We'll say we'll call that one Sluggo's Water Pistol. And it's Nancy from April 27th, 1949. Finally is Nancy from May 7th, 1949. And I am sending you that one. In this one, Nancy is standing uh, in a room by a window. And she says, Aunt Fritzy, may I open the window? It's warm in here. Aunt Fritzy, from off-panel, says no. Nancy says, but it's very stuffy. Aunt Fritzy says, I said no. Then Nancy, not in front of the window anymore, says, I've got to get have some air. And she has a pair of scissors. And she's cutting the panel border on the right side. And then in the last panel air is coming through the panel that she has cut. Like she's cut a hole in the panel and there's air coming through. Boy, the featured comment on this one is wild. Wow. What? Wow. That is a, I disagree with everything in this. Why on earth did Go Comics make this the featured comment? Maybe the featured comment is like the one that gets the most responses. Woof. Because this one does have eight replies. I mean, I hope they're all like, fuck you. Wow. Okay. All of these replies are like, we need Guy Gilchrist back now. Um, well, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Uh, and I say unfortunately, and I mean, thankfully. That guy sucks. Yeah. At both comics and, like, being a dude. <sighs> Man. Like... There are people who believe 
that Guy Kill Guy Kilchrist's Nancy was the best Nancy. That and is objectively wrong. Like, I'm gonna say Ernie Bushmiller and Olivia James are tied for number one, and then Guy Gilchrist is like number ten. Yeah, I'm gonna say any like Ernie Bush, like Olivia James and Ernie Bushmiller are tied for number one. Literally anyone who has ever drawn a Nancy strip. Just for fun. Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. And then Guy Gilchrist at the bottom. I like this strip. It plays with the form. It it clearly Olivia James pulled some inspiration from strips like this for her Nancy. Like it's it's really, you know, like I say, m- messing around with the form a little bit. And I like that. My favorite Nancy strips, like, break the format in some way. And this one does that. So what do you think? It's, like, like it's good. Like, it's good, but it's, it's, this is a solid Nancy strip. You know? Yeah. It's not as good as the circus loan. No, but it's it's a good it's a good bit, and it plays with the form, and I like that it plays with the form, especially it's a, in 1949. It's a B plus, but I like I it's it's a good B plus. Yeah, it's not as good as getting a circus loan. I gotta know, like I don't recall ever seeing Aunt Fritzy in any of the shitty Guy Gilchrist Nancy strips. Oh, you you would remember if you did. She's she's exactly what you expect a guy Gilchrist drawing an adult woman in this comic strip would be. Oh yeah. Yeah. Zoinks. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm getting at. It- okay, is this is this better or worse than Sluggo's water pistol? I would say worse because it did not make me laugh like that. Okay. Do you think it's better than the hose gag? Do people like Guy Gilchrist Nancy? According to GoComics.com. I I mean, it might just be eight commenters on GoComics.com. Like, no, I like looked up Guy Gilchrist and like seeing a lot of Seeing a lot of like weird, like weird, like people are into it. Yeah, but it's that's not representative of the of the public at large. <laughs> that's a handful of weirdos. Have on you the ever internet. seen his last Nancy strip? It's fucking madness. I feel like I have seen it because he gets married to gets married, and then they listen to the Beach Boys, and and like. Nancy says, I love you, and nothing funny happens. I mean, that's true of every one of his Nancy strips. But well, yeah. yeah. And then, like, literally, that's February 18th, 2018. And then literally, like, two weeks later, it's Olivia James. <laughs> 
Well, it it did that weird thing where like he kept doing the Sunday strips for a while, while Olivia James is doing the daily strips, because the Sunday strips are done way earlier. There's a restaurant I like to go to in Minneapolis, and um, it is decorated in a weird way, where it's like all like paint by number paintings of like Jesus and dogs. Um, and then like a bunch of Hummel figurines. So it'll be like, you know, a bunch of like horrible little figurines that say like, uh, like world's greatest grandma or, uh, keep talking. The boss likes idiots or like stuff like that. And, like, Guy Gilchrist is, like, anything that was rejected for becoming a Hummel figurine, he drew. <laughs> I'm going to send you a Guy Gilchrist Nancy strip real quick. Okay. This is not to rank. This is just, I want you to, to look at what I saw. And just have the have like the destruction of your mind the way I did in this place. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing the the mind killer. What is what is even happening here? Okay, this is the Nancy from March twenty fifth, twenty eighteen. And in it, Nancy, we see Nancy as who? Who were the cat and mouse in the on the title panel? That's Ask Benito. <laughs> That's old. Then, then she's Superman, Hager the Horrible, the Phantom, uh, the Family Circus Baby. Is that who that is? No, it's High and Lois. She's high and Lois. She's Dick Tracy. She and Slogo are Dick Tracy. And whoever the Dick Tracy, other Dick Tracy character is, Garfield. Yes, Tess Trueheart. Uh, Garfield, Snoopy. Gasoline Alley? Beetle Bailey. Beetle Bailey. Uh, Olive Oil. And then in the last panel, Nancy is asleep on the couch reading the Sunday funnies. I just Guy Gilchrist drawing Nancy with Garfield's head is one of the most upsetting things I've ever seen. And I feel like like we talk about the inventiveness of Olivia James and Ernie Bushmiller. This is just Guy Gilchrist wanting to draw other comic strips. I I can't like these are the worst. These are the worst, dude. And I'm gonna put I'm gonna put this out right now. If you send us Guy Gilchrist Nancy strips, we are not ranking them. Yeah. Moratorium on Guy Gilchrist Nancy strips. Yeah. We will rank Ernie Bushmiller, we will rank Olivia James. Yeah. In the Guy Gilchrist is not happening. Yeah. 
Let's rank the one where Nancy cuts, cuts the panel open. Like That's fine. Yeah, it's it's good. It's fine. Why did you send me another one? Because I wanted you to say it. What is what is this? Nancy is in heaven. I I don't even know what's going on here. I don't know, man. Okay, yeah. this Nancy strip is fine. Give me a number. <laughs> you give me a number. How about that? How about you give me a number? All right. I don't think it's as good as when she, when she blocked the rain with the hose. Okay. I don't think it's as good as Dinosaurs and F-14s, which is number 941. Probably not, yeah. That's a Calvin and Hobbes strip. I think it's better than Calvin and Hobbes' Violent Comics, which is at number 955. You think it's better than that? Yeah. I think it's better... Because the end of that comic... Remember the end of that comic strip? It's weird. It is weird. I think it's better than Doom Force. I don't think it's better than Daredevil Volume 4, number 8 through 10, with the Purple Kids. So it's the new number 954. And that's Nancy 5749. Where did you put it? Uh, 954. Okay. And I'll put I'll just put in parentheses, cutting panel border. All right. That's two hours, Chris. We're 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 done. We've done it. I hate that I had to look at those. Nine Chickweed Lane comic strips. I hate yeah, that I had to look at those Guy Gilchrist Nancy strips. Yeah, we I did that one like either of those. The Nine Chickweed Lane was done to us. The Guy Gilchrist Nancy we we did to ourselves, and I did to you. Yes, you did. If you would like to send us an Every Story Ever list, do not send us Guy Gilchrist Nancy. We will not read I'm, it. Like, I'm not kidding. This isn't like a funny ha-ha joke. Your email will go in the trash. Yes. Uh, if you would like to send us a list, email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. That is also where you can drop us a line if you want to get in touch with us. Send us Thursday Night Raw submissions or let us know if you want to sponsor the show. These specials are made possible by your support on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash warrocketajax and uh, help us out if you can. Help us pay those gimmicks they keep sending in the mail called bills. As a patron, above a certain level, you get line-stepping privileges to make your Every Story Ever list go to the front of the line. So if you want to do that, head over to Patreon and you can make that happen. We are on Twitter at WarRocketPod, although I guess nobody's going to ever see our tweets again after mid-April. We are on Tumblr, WarRocketPodcast.tumblr.com, and we have a Discord where you will see what we have to say. Uh, you can head over to uh, Discord and, and well, at first you have to ask for an invitation. So ask us for an invitation to our Discord server, and then... Uh, We'll get you one if you ask us nice. And uh, you can join our Discord community, which is a 
thriving and lovely place. WarRocketAjax.com is our website. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan-run repository of all the information you could ever need about this podcast, WarRocketAjax. Go check that out. If you want to find me and my stuff, I'm at MattDWilson.net. It's where you can find links to my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. There is a link at the top of that page to take you to the Zoop campaign for my new comic, Imposter Syndicate. Issues 1 and 2 are being funded right now on Zoop. It has reached its goal, which means that that comic will be made. If you head over there and uh, kick in to get to a stretch goal, you are guaranteed a PDF or a print copy of Imposter Syndicate Issues 1 and 2. So go check that out, if you would. It's at zoop.gg slash imposter syndicate. Uh, but you can also, you know, just uh, hit the link on mattdwilson.net as well. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website. It has links to everything that I do. We will be back in April with another Every Story Ever special. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate your time. And we love you. We love you. Forever, 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 ever, forever, ever. Yes! From this day on, as every breed of mongrel lived together.